Hello and welcome to the Active Energy Podcast. Today, our experts discuss four reasons to sign a renewable PPA in 2020. Near term to even long term cost of more traditionally sourced brown power, I think the, the convergence of wind and solar from a cost standpoint, along with the availability of tax incentives, have just provided a really unique environment to, to build some financial and retail products as opposed to maybe the traditional bread and butter, or the traditional plain vanilla of a virtual PPA structure. The Active Energy Podcast is produced by the Schneider Electric Energy and Sustainability Services team. We are excited to present a few special episodes of the podcast focusing on accelerating recovery and building resilience as the world looks forward during the COVID-19 pandemic. On today's show, we're joined by Cleantech client managers Adam Irwin and Ian Law as they give you four reasons, even in the midst of the uncertainty of 2020, that signing a power purchase agreement or PPA makes business sense. For more information on PPAs and all things renewables, head to perspectives.se.com for more information. All right. Hello, everybody. This is Adam Irwin, Cleantech Client Manager with the Schneider Electric Energy Sustainability and Services team based in Denver, Colorado. I'm here today with my my friend and colleague, Ian Law, for uh, what I think will be a great session. I'm going to call it uh, the the cordial interrogation of Ian Law uh, related to corporate renewable purchasing of renewable energy in 2020. So, Ian, thanks so much uh, for being with me here today. You wrote a great article. article recently. It's, it's on our blog, perspectives.se.com. I highly encourage everyone who can to go check that out about uh, the four reasons why U.S. corporates are still signing PPAs in 2020, despite all the things that are going on. It's an election year. It feels like the credit markets are tight. There's uh, one of the worst uh, global health pandemics in roughly the past 150 years that, that that's impacted the U.S. and Europe and other developed markets around the world. And so it seems like maybe the, the odds are stacked up up against renewable energy in some ways, yet uh, in, in your article, and I agree with so many of the points you make, I think you build a really strong case as to why U.S. corporates should still be signing power purchase agreements for wind and solar energy in the U.S. in, in 2020 and beyond, and really looking forward to uh, exploring some of those ideas and hearing some of your thoughts on those today. But maybe before we jump into it, Ian, maybe if you could please just give me a quick introduction to yourself for the audience today, and maybe it's a little bit about, about your background, and we'll, we'll, we'll jump into some of these thoughts. Yeah, thanks, Adam, and I welcome any interrogation from you. Um, so yeah, it's, it's good to talk to you today. I uh, am a clean tech client manager on the Schneider Electric team, um, on the Schneider Electric clean tech team, really helping clients set strategy, follow that strategy, and, and secure large-scale renewable energy projects uh, to, to help them meet their renewable energy goals. Uh, I've, I've been with Schneider for a long time now, almost seven years. The beginning of, of that experience was largely focused on on interfacing with developers um, and really understanding the renewable energy market landscape and and what was available to corporates the last four years or so I've been more focused on on really leading the client um, so my experience comes from both what's available to, to corporates um, and what it really is that corporates need to decide internally to, to achieve their renewable energy goals great and, and yeah, I know from working with you you've served a, a lot of different companies with a lot of different motivations and a lot of different energy uh, across a wide array of markets 
in the U.S. and you know help them find both wind and solar solutions. So I, I think you're particularly well positioned to really have some interesting thoughts. And so maybe with no further ado, kind of just jump into it a little bit. How do you think U.S. corporate renewable energy buyers feel about the market today? You know, what what uncertainties are they facing, or, or you know, why are some moving forward and, and, and maybe others uh, may, maybe hitting the pause button for a while? Yeah, I mean, I think I think the momentum in these U.S. Uh, corporate PPAs has been growing since you know, call it 2015, 2016, especially as the the tax credits for wind and solar were a bit more clearly defined for a, a longer uh, term. So yeah, I think that momentum has been growing and and really been hitting a peak these last couple of years. I think the question that potentially you're asking is is really about COVID and and in the this this past six to 12 month period, how have things really been tracking? And frankly, you know, highest level, I think the corporates that, that I and our team are working with are just as interested as ever to, to transact with PPAs uh, in the U.S. markets and hit their renewable energy goals. Um, I think I saw PPAs signed in uh, every month of 2020 so far. So there were certainly uh, a lot of companies who pressed the pause button for the significant turmoil of March and April uh, with COVID really spreading for the first time in the U.S. Um, but I think those corporates have picked back up. A number of uh, clients I have, have have signed PPAs in the last month or two after taking that that really necessary pause for their business. So I'd see I'd say the the market is is still strong. Uh, corporates are still interested in and actually executing on PPAs. I would say that um, there has been some slowdown in in certain uh, corporate industries, right? So where there are certain corporates that that are really looking at their balance sheet and really concerned about what's going on with COVID and with the financial markets. Um, that's kind of a, a separate business related reason for a pause. But highest level, I think the corporates that I'm working with are seeing that the developers um, and the owners of these projects are just as interested as they've ever been in developing them. And they're just as interested as they've ever been in um, really holding some of the same exposure uh, to the market that the corporates are. And so the last Last few months, I've actually seen some some really interesting partnerships in terms of the developers and and the corporates we work with, yeah, f- finding common ground with with pursuing these PPAs and executing these transactions. I think you brought up an important point there, Ian, in terms of uh, specifically COVID. Uh, so, so let's talk about that for a second. What have we seen uh, in, in different wholesale markets uh, across the United States uh, and, and how have they reacted to COVID? And, you know, as you see and as you talk to some of your clients who have really understandably some really good questions and concerns about the impacts of COVID because it's impacted their business, it's logical to assume it's impacted other businesses as well, including renewables. Uh, but when you talk to your clients about COVID and wholesale electricity market impacts, so tell me a little bit more about how that conversation goes and what some of the specific questions and concerns you get from, from corporate buyers are. Yeah, I mean, I think that first and foremost, we need to, we need, we at Schneider need to respect what's going on with our clients' businesses. Um, as the as the advisor to all of these clients, you know, we're not pushing PPAs if they're not right for for certain clients, especially at certain times. Um, so I think the first uh, response to 
to clients, you know, across March and April really was what do you need, right? Do you need time um, to figure things out internally as a business or with these renewable deals? Or would you like to keep moving? Um, so I think that was the first question is really what's appropriate for the client because a lot of considerations were categorical um, and specific to their businesses. But then I think the conversation, um, you know, once we moved past that piece and, and comfort was gained, I think the question uh, from from my clients at least was really, will there be significant impacts on wholesale electricity market prices such that it affects you know, the economics that we've been modeling in our PPA opportunities in these processes. And frankly, um, you know, don't want to speak about it too much because we do not know what will happen in the future. Um, but currently, the effect on wholesale market prices that we've seen has been more focused on, on 2020 you know, a lack of demand due to significant change in business patterns in 2020. But the fact of the matter is, for our clients' purposes, those signing PPAs right now um, are looking at PPAs coming online at the end of 2021 or 2022. So um, we really don't know what the potential wholesale impacts of COVID will be on market prices. But uh, what we've seen is that the future of, of mar market prices seem to stay strong. Um, and that supports the same models that we've been looking at with our clients for the past, you know, six to 12 months. Yeah, it's really an interesting perspective, Ian. And uh, something something you mentioned there leads me back to some good thoughts that I think you articulated in the blog post. You mentioned projects coming online end of 2021 or even end of 2022. And, you know, I think you and I both know some developers are even pricing uh, some options, whether at a premium or a discount, uh, all the way into 2023, which just feels like a, a long time from today as we sit here in July of 2020. Again, as we think about why 2020 might be an opportune year, to consider a U.S. PPA. Uh, could you share some thoughts on why we're seeing longer lead times in the industry and, and why moving forward today in mid-2020 may actually be absolutely necessary or required if you actually want to access a project by the end of 2021 or 2022? Why the, why the long lead time and why does that make 2020 so opportune? Good question. I think there are, I mean, I think there are a lot of reasons that make 2020 an opportune year. Drilling down to the, the lead times that you're asking about, um, and especially the kind of adjusted lead times based on COVID, at least recently. Highest level, the sooner you start, the sooner you'll get a project online. Um, this especially for solar projects. Um, a lot of the solar projects we're seeing that have 2022 online date. Um, this, as you said, that that's pretty far out. Um, and frankly, what's going on now in the industry is that there are a lot of supply crunches. Um, the the OEMs and the other providers that are actually constructing projects are quite focused on the projects at hand and the sites that they're on. So they're inherently building in um, kind of time premiums and, and extra time into the schedules that they're planning for the projects that will be coming online next year and the year after. So that is to say that um, the PPA signs now are really for projects that are at least 18 to, to 24 or 30 months out anyway. And as additional cushion gets built into all of the construction schedules, all of the financing schedules, et cetera, that has grown in the last number of months with COVID and will continue to grow. Um, so it's just another reason that moving towards a PPA execution uh, as soon as possible will lead to potential financing and construction of a project as soon as possible. Yeah, I think it's really interesting 
uh, thought there, Ian, if I could add maybe just, just one additional angle that, that I know I've seen with, with a few customers I've represented. You, you mentioned the developers and the OEMs that they source their hardware from and the construction companies, the EPC groups that actually help get these projects uh, really off the ground uh, or maybe in the ground in the case of solar versus wind. But uh, I think there's another important variable there when you think about the supply chain and the timing of projects and the long lead time, and that's the interconnection and the utilities and the grid operators and the the rules and the agreements by which they de-energize a high-voltage electricity line to be able to connect a project and then re-energize the line with the new wind or solar energy. That can only be done during certain times of year, and it can only be done to so many transmission lines at one time uh, before you begin to destabilize the grid. And so I think another variable in addition to those supply chain and logistical concerns that you mentioned, which are very real on a daily basis. I think another one is there's enough projects trying to get interconnection on the grid that it's harder and harder to hit those grid outage windows to be able to to get your project online. And I know from a lot of developers I've talked to, that's another reason why they see uh, their commercial operation dates uh, being big pushed further and further into the future as they really wear more risk in the contract if they try to bring those CODs, you know, uh, more towards 2022 or 2021. So I think those are really good insights. I just wanted to throw in the, the idea of grid interconnection as a potential logistical constraint as well as OEMs and EPC groups. So, Ian, I think you gave some great examples there of the supply chain logistical concerns. You you shared some, I think, insightful commentary on the overall corporate demand for renewables, even in the face of, of certain global challenges, health or otherwise. What, in your mind, are some of the other reasons why 2020 is such an opportune year for corporates to be looking at renewable energy procurement? There are a few fa- a few factors at play. Um, I think first it's it's a supply and demand issue. The clients I have uh, are are really expanding their footprint and expanding their appetite uh, for the the number of megawatts they're looking for from wind wind and solar projects, especially as uh, markets tend to are tending to rebound from COVID and they're they're gaining more confidence to go back to market. So that is to say that there are simply a lot of corporate buyers uh, for less less projects these days. So fundamentally. I think uh, regardless of, of the tax credit considerations, which we can t- touch on next, and the, the anticipated lead times uh, for projects um, and, you know, getting started early just to get a project online relatively soon, uh, there's just the fact of whether there are projects available if other corporates are, are signing uh, up for these projects. So. Uh, that is to say, there there are certainly uh, fewer wind projects um, in really attractive markets for corporates these days as the production tax credit steps down. So we're we're looking at very very few kind of full PTC value projects that are available for corporates, and a dwindling number of um, kind of eighty percent PTC value projects for corporates. Um, and so with with that with with those dwindling number of projects, it's really tough for corporates to secure projects unless they move quickly. So acting fast is is important. And then there are certainly more uh, solar projects, I think, in, in those attractive markets because there is a longer runway with the ITC. But the fact of the matter is that uh, at the end of 2019, um, projects stopped being able to, to qualify for the full 30% ITC value. So 
while there are certainly more projects kind of being refined and, and being tuned and brought to market, uh, there technically is um, an established number of, of full P or ITC projects available from the solar side for corporates. So I think all of these different reasons just uh, focus us on 2020. Um, a lot could change and a lot of different opportunities could show up. But uh, for corporates acting in 2020, we feel that, that they have the best opportunity to, to secure attractive projects for the next 12 to 15 years. And then, Ian, I think maybe one of the realities that, that you and I understand, because we, we've done enough time and, and ha had the opportunity to serve so many great clients through their procurement processes. But, but I think one of the facts that get, gets lost sometimes is that a contract doesn't just land in your lap if you're a corporate, right? There, there's, uh, there's a lot of work that has to be done leading into it, stakeholder education, executive approval, actual more tactical work around the uh, running an RFP, term sheets, meetings with developers, ultimately a contract. And so uh, maybe give the audience today a, a sense in your mind, especially for a first time buyer, it's always going to be easy if, if it's your second or your third or your 10th PPA. But if it's your first PPA again, and we think about why 2020 might be an opportune time to buy, talk a little bit about what it's like for a corporate to go through the procurement process in terms of the lead time they have to think about in terms of their internal decision making and, and kind of lay that onto the, the, the timeline for a project coming to market. Because we, we talked about things from the seller side. What does a developer have to do to get a project in the ground. Talk about the buyer side. What, what does a buyer have to do and why should that be taken into account today in 2020 if they want a 2021 or a 2022 project? Yeah, that, that, I think that's really fundamental to, to everything we're talking about here, Adam. Um, I think, you know, similar to, to the idea of signing a PPA such that the developer can take that PPA to go and, and finance the project and construct the project and have that project come online within a reasonable amount of time. Uh, there's a similar logic to the sooner you start uh, the process of soliciting uh, project opportunities and, and working towards a term sheet and ultimately uh, a long form PPA, the sooner you will sign that PPA. Right. So to your point, really, the first leg of this process is um, the education process, getting stakeholders up to speed, uh, releasing an RFP and then going through all of the analysis and decision making it takes to to pick a project and, and sign a contract simultaneous to all of that is is really um, the entire organization getting comfortable with this from from accounting to treasury uh, to the legal team who's a bit more involved given the contracting to treasury to regulatory and compliance and sustainability uh, right so there is a lot of different engagement that needs to happen which inevitably requires many months of, of preparation so I think that's that's always been the case uh, but especially now that we have truly a dwindling supply of wind solar projects given um, tax incentive step downs recently um, and on an ongoing basis, it's actually ever more important to, to get that process started. And then something else I'd add, which which is never positive um, or it's never <laughs> it's never enjoyable to talk about, but is concern is the potential for for certain projects to fall through um, for contracts to fall through 
be that before term sheet, be that after a couple months spent on the term sheet um, during the PPA process, or even even after the PPA is signed um, if a project is not built. So, you know, we at Schneider are certainly seeking to protect clients um, with contractual protections. Uh, with that said, there is a world in which these really large uh, infrastructure projects do not get built. Um, and that simply means that we have to go back to square one and, and really pull in other projects and find another solution. Uh, so that's something we could do. But really what it means is that we've we've lost time. So if there is a possibility that, that the corporate will lose time in this process, um, why not get started as soon as possible just to, to really control what we can in terms of the timelines? Yeah, I think it's a, a great point you make, Ian. Uh, it's, it's, I, I say it so much around the office, it's probably become cliche, right? Never fall in love with the project until it's built. Uh, and the sooner you learn that it might not get built, the more flexibility and the more options that are going to be available to you, especially as supply dwindles a little bit, to be able to switch projects, right? Either you know, a new project with the same developer or new developer, new project, right? Having that flexibility is something we always want to try to build in for the customers that, that, that we represent in the market and certainly would encourage any buyers, uh, corporate buyers that might be listening today to take into consideration that uh, time gives you flexibility. The The more time you lose, the, uh, the, the, the fewer options potentially are going to be available to you in the future, particularly in light of some of the other ideas that Ian has shared, particularly around uh, the market tightening a little bit on this on the project supply side and certainly with the tax credits too there's going to be a point in time when developers just aren't going to be able to switch out projects one for one uh, and be able to maintain the same competitive economics because uh, they're back solving for their own returns as it relates to the the timing of cod and the availability of tax credits and the the need to attract finance so and adam i just ask you given your experience on the developer side and also on the corporate buyer side and also on the advisor side, you know, not to put you on the spot, but what comes to mind uh, in terms of kind of the priorities for your clients and the priorities for buyers acting in 2020? Yeah, yeah, interesting question. I think when when I talk to my clients, I know, uh, especially those, some are repeat buyers, some are some are new buyers. I think a couple different things are, are weighing on them. One, and I think this tracks back to something you mentioned a few minutes ago. One is why is there so much demand for renewable energy in the U.S. among corporate buyers? And a lot of companies have set goals. Uh, many of those goals are coming due in between 2020 and 2022. And so even though there's long lead times, I think smart buyers and customers, and certainly as I try to guide them, they're looking at the market to say, what do I need to do today to make sure I secure my position for my company to be able to hit our publicly stated renewable energy or sustainability oriented goals, whether those be CDP related, uh, GRI, RE100, science-based targets, or maybe uh, other non-governmental organizations or, or voluntary groups that they're looking to, uh, uh, looking to work with or looking to report to other clients are maybe looking at a direct PPA structure instead of a virtual PPA structure. And they see interesting point now where wind and solar have both matured to a level and reached economies of scale to a level that when you layer on the tax credits, it allows you to put together really interesting 
retail products or, or working with a retailer to convert the, the wholesale energy into a retail product in, in, in a way. We're working with a large manufacturer in, in Texas right now that's putting together a, 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 what I think will be a great deal and really seeing that versus the near-term to even long-term cost of more traditionally sourced brown power. I think the, the convergence of wind and solar from a cost standpoint, along with the availability of tax incentives, have just provided a really unique environment to to build some financial and retail products as opposed to maybe the traditional bread and butter or the traditional plain vanilla of a virtual PPA structure. And so I think those are two things I really see uh, with, with my clients. That and just the, the inflationary pressure with different variables as you look beyond 2022, uh, things that could potentially push prices up higher in the future if, if the tax credits as they exist today are allowed to continue to wind down. Uh, I think those three things really, the, the, the need to hit those publicly stated goals, the availability of new products and new production shape from wind and solar, and the associated economic benefits that come with those products. And then lastly, the the uncertainty on the horizon, I think. If prices are, are so good today and uh, wholesale prices for wind and solar look to be below a lot of market averages, then is one in the hand worth two in the bush, I think is where a lot of my clients are today for really for those three variables. And I think when I look at how my clients think about that question, I think a lot of the, the thoughts that you've shared today have really played into the uh, the variables behind why they're able to get that competitive pricing and why ultimately they want to procure in 2020 as opposed to delaying that procurement into 2021 or beyond. And Adam, to your point, I don't think it's speculative at this point. I think we've seen uh, PPA prices for wind and solar bottom out uh, in 2019. Um, And whether the increase in prices since that time is due to COVID and due to risk premiums being built into PPA prices, um, or if that's simply because we're seeing the step step down in the, the production tax credit and associated increases in wind pricing, um, we have seen that, you know, one to four dollar per megawatt hour increase with with a tax incentive change. So in terms of the inflationary pressure and and not knowing what um, kind of lies behind the or beyond the horizon it's it's safe to assume that there, there will be further price increases um, with that said we don't know what will happen with technology costs with elections this fall um, so we're excited to see but I think you know as we pointed out for uh, for the purposes of starting a process and getting it started on the internal side and also getting projects really in development and in construction to be built regardless of what happens this fall regardless of what happens over the next couple of years um, it is our opinion that, that getting started on these PPA procurement exercises in 2020 makes the most sense. Great. Well, Ian, hey, I really appreciate your time today. I think you've shared some really interesting perspective from the buyer side, understanding that most most corporations 
in America don't don't wake up in the morning and magically just sign a 10 to 15 year agreement for wholesale wind and solar in the U.S., right? Most are going to go through a, a long lead time, maybe six to nine months uh, in the case of a really organized corporate and maybe nine to 15 months sometimes for a corporate that, that needs a little bit more time to understand the position they're taking and getting into the contract. So there's a long lead time on the buyer's side. And then from what you said on the seller side, obviously they need that revenue contract contract in place, that PPA with the corporate buyer. And then that allows them to go to the market to to procure equipment and to find a general contractor to build the project and to get financing for the project. And you add on all those lead times. And actually 2021 and 2022 don't look that far away. And with the pricing we're seeing in today's market, because of some of the inflationary variables that, 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 that we've talked about, it really does feel like now is a good time to, to begin procuring when you think about the supply and demand variables and the lead times that, that, that both sides of the market need to get infrastructure projects valued in the tens and hundreds of millions into the ground and on time to be interconnected to the grid. So there, there's a lot of variables at play there. And, and I think you've helped build the case today. And I would certainly recommend that the audience today go to perspectives.se.com uh, to read Ian's blog post, which I think goes into some of these ideas that we shared today in 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 greater detail so uh ian thanks for your time today uh stay safe and stay healthy with the family in new england and uh to the audience that joined today i appreciate your time and we'll look forward to talking with you again uh, on a future podcast take care thank you for listening to active energy we're thankful that you decided to spend some time with us if you could leave us a review on apple podcasts spotify anchor wherever you listen it would be a great help to us Please also follow us on Twitter, it's at SchneiderESS, or on LinkedIn and Facebook by searching SchneiderESS. We have also started a LinkedIn group specifically for listeners of the podcast. It's a great place to interact with peers and continue the conversation from the podcast online. Be sure to look for the Active Energy Podcast LinkedIn group and join today. We'll be back in just a little bit with another episode. Until next time.